Balotelli, Aguero! Lewandowski goes through again, oh he just can't do it, you just cannot be that good, that is an amazing goal, I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on guys and welcome to another episode of the 50 plus one football podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. I'm Billy, and with me is a man who, to me, is like a Champions League goal to Kai Havertz. It's Lewis. Okay, fair enough. That's a, that's a very apt comparison right there, I think. Just think about it. The guy who's just scored in all of the major games for Chelsea. Something that I don't think anyone would have thought was going to happen, given the way he started. Well, that's the thing. Were Kai Havertz and Jadon Sancho really good all along? Yes, they were. And I will, that is the hill I will die on. We'll, we'll give Timo Werner another season. But <laughs> that's the man. Who's at the end of that season, he'll be gone. But now we're going to get into too many topics. So without further ado, I will list off some of your topics for this coming episode. Bundesliga, we will take a look at the three crazy matches that happened in one Sunday. I think it's very rare to see three thrashings oh there's your tongue twister for the day three thrashings say that one five times five times fast there you go uh bayern 4-1 against Fürth. dortmund beating gladbach 6-0 and leipzig flattening hertha berlin 6-1 in berlin that's uh you know just a goal heavy sunday for you in the bundesliga so you know maybe you should tune into the bundesliga more often if you're not already um, then we swing over to the Premier League where Lukaku only had seven touches on the ball against Crystal Palace. And we'll have a look at Lukaku, the 115 million mistake. Um, then we also have to put our foot in our overly large mouths because Tottenham beat City and then we bashed them, what, two weeks ago? <laughs> Just, it, see, I think I think there's a there's an AT Sports News curse now. So every time we we bash a team, they'll go on and you know beat the top team in the league, arguably, and then we'll round off the topics for the day with Shaka refusing the captain's armband. Has that ever been done before? All that and more coming right after this. Salah. So do you want to start with the Premier League this week? Oh, yes, please. Because Lukaku's seven touches on the ball. The guy costs 115 million, man. And he's getting you seven touches on the ball. One of those was to do the kickoff. Uh, do, that that like, says it all, really. Would you like a, would you like a stat? We do yes, like oh, a come stat. on. We're, we're, we're at AT Sports News. We love stats. The lowest amount of touches in a Premier League game since the 2003-2004 season. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. There you go. And wow. to make you know, matters even worse, uh, <laughs> Sky made a comp video and put it up, which is... I, it's just taking the piss. Oh, no. Oh, no. But this isn't... It doesn't help. It doesn't help, but this also isn't news. I mean, we're talking about the striker who went and did his own little interview saying he, how unhappy he was in the current state. <laughs> He's not helped himself, but he was exactly the same at United. You know, I said this when he signed for Chelsea. He scores in bursts. And when he's not scoring, he's terrible. And he's not scoring yeah. at the moment. And, you know, luckily for Chelsea, they've got Ziyech and Kai Havertz that have stepped up. So, Well, I mean, you would expect so if Kai Havertz is costing you 80 mil and Ziyech another 40. So, but that's yeah, the thing, right? Those two players cost the same or almost the same as uh, Lukaku at the, at the end of the day. And I can tell you right now who is doing more for that team and who isn't. 
I'm saying for what he's doing for him, it's just not worth it. You'd rather have it spent on two or three other players. Easily. So does it go down as another striker that doesn't make it at Chelsea then? I don't know about that one. I mean, he's got five goals and 17 prem appearances. So I guess that's all right. Club World Cup, he scored twice, to be fair. Champions League, two goals and four. FA Cup, one goal and two, and no goals in the EFL Cup. Eh. It's kind of hard. It's it's hard to it's hard to really clock him, but put it this way: if you're spending 115 million on a striker and he's getting you 10 goals and 28 appearances, you're going to be asking yourself if you haven't just made the mistake of the season. Especially coming from Serie A, and he was like MVP or something. Oh, he tore up Serie A. I mean, in all honesty, the price, <clears throat> given today's climate, is understandable. But at the end of the day, you just have to say, wow, what? Th- those are two different players. Lukaku at Inter and Lukaku at Chelsea. Wow. It's, it's one of the weirdest ones because there is clearly a ridiculously talented player he's got i mean he's got over 100 premier league goals so let's not bash him too much he's not not having a great time but he's different to how he was when he was at everton yeah but i'd also argue at everton he didn't have any real type of pressure and at everton he arguably also didn't have uh the title of being one of the world's best strikers if we're being honest so uh, I think it's also to do with the difference of play as well, because Everton did have a tendency to knock it long and watch him run onto it. Well, yeah. And so his, Chelsea his, actually have, you know, a clear plan forward. His first touch wasn't necessarily the most important thing if he was just running onto it. Whereas, but this way, I, I remember when I was, uh, when we were at uni, the, the running gag was that uh, Romelu Lukaku's touch takes him down the M25 every time. <laughs> it's like that story that Ibrahimovic tells when he was at United. He's like, okay, I'll, I'll, bet, I'll, I'll bet with you like a, a hundred pound or like a thousand pounds or something every time I'll fizz a ball in. And if you control it, I'll give you a thousand pounds. If you don't, you give me a thousand pounds. And he just outright declined it. It's like, well, how would you expect to get better at it if you don't practice it? I was about to say, and the the money, you guys have it. I'm walking around money to those people. I was about to say. But yeah, but, you're not wrong. I mean, at the end of the day, you still have to say Lukaku in the Prem has 118 goals and 269 appearances across all clubs he's played for. So it's not exactly, you know... A small amount. No, he's not. He's not exactly a bad striker. He's just not having the best time of it at the moment. I think it's because Tuchel's trying to play a certain way and Harry Harry Kane. Romelu Lukaku doesn't specifically fit that way, which is well, the, the reason this. that Oli got rid of him. And I mean, he, he said this in the interview as well. Like, you know, Chelsea don't play the way that fits my talents, so to speak. Which, you know, you have to say, wow. You're going on an unsanctioned interview, then you say that. I'm surprised the club didn't suspend him for, you know, a good two months. It's probably because their other striking options are even worse. And that's saying something because they've bought Timo Vanna for 60 million. Shock. I, I don't know. I really like Timo Vanna. You know, we've seen him score a hat trick. Uh, in person against Gladbach. Uh, yeah, against Gladbach. Yeah. I mean, he and he did it with ease. And that was like, they weren't easy finishes. It was taking it around the keeper, shots from distance, but it'll go somewhere. It'll probably go... Imagine if he like Haaland leaves and he goes to Dortmund or something and then just completely rip it up. So 
it's one of those ones that people are too quick to judge, I think. But no, 100%. But I think he just hasn't been able to deal with the pressure because there was a there's Kai Havertz who at the beginning had the same problems as Timo Vanna, arguably, at Chelsea. And you know, one of them's gone and scored the winning goal in the Champions League final, the winning goal in the Club World Cup final, and a bunch of goals in the Premier League and, you know, all competitions in the last two seasons. And the other has, you know, with the exception of a couple of goals where you'd expect him to score, like missing would have actually taken some skill. He really hasn't done much. No. Well, let us know in the comments or on Twitter and Instagram what you think about Lukaku at Chelsea and the other strikers that they've got, Timo Werner. And uh, is Kai Havertz finally coming into his own as that sort of false nine player, sort of the uh, the role that Bernardo Silva or Phil Foden plays at Man City? Perfect segue, by the way, into our next topic. We bashed Tottenham <laughs> last week. And, uh, we really did. On Saturday, they beat Man City at the Etihad. So I think it's time we talk about that. And you've got the biggest smile on your face going. Well, that's like one of the Spurs fans at work was like, oh, I know people that wanted uh, City to win. So Tottenham couldn't, you know, worse than Tottenham's chances of getting top four. I was like, mm-hmm, no. Nah. I always like seeing them lose. And particularly well, a man that we were very uh, critical of Dejan Kulusevski after like four minutes. Yeah. Like I said, we are putting our overly large feet into our even bigger mouths. It's a tad bit depressing because I mean, we said that Tottenham, they've got so many problems and they got so much that needs to be fixed. But then you look at opening day of the season when Steven Bergwijn scored the winner against Man City. And, you know, Steven Bergwijn can't get a game at the moment. So against City, they just seem to turn up. I think Conte set his team up really well because it was almost like uh, seven back or eight back with Harry Kane. And then you had Kulisevsky and Son to hit on the counter, which is how they scored the first and the second. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Antonio Conte also said after the match, you know, we've been working on getting Harry Kane back into the positions of a classic number nine. And I mean, it's definitely paid off. It's also been a dig at, you know, what past managers have done because, you know, we remember a time where Harry Kane was feeding Son to score more than the other way around. And Harry Kane was spending more of his time around the box and outside the box than he was actually, you know, on the, in the scoring positions and in the box itself. And, you know, now he's back where everyone knows him to be a solid world-class player. He's gone in bag two against arguably the top team in the league right now. Yeah, I think that was the thing with Harry Kane. He spent that season at, or that time under at Spurs playing deeper. It was almost like a number 10. It, he really was. And we noticed it in England friendlies or, you know, early games in the, in the Euros. He was still playing there when you didn't need to play. Like the players like Sterling, Foden, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold, all those players that England have got, they will find Harry Kane if he makes striking runs, not from deep number 10, trying to win the ball back and play it into well, yeah. Son runs. I mean, they're, they're used to feeding, feeding players like, uh, I mean, at the time, Sergio Aguero and Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, uh, Diogo Jota. And then you get someone like Harry Kane in and he's dropping back and trying to play a number 10. They're all just scratching their heads like, I right, where am I supposed to put a ball in then? Yeah, you know, you don't need to do the, the dog work almost if you're Harry Kane. He doesn't need to do it anymore anyway now that 
Conte's got him playing. Essentially, yeah. a front three, but it's Kane up front with Son and either one of Kulisewski or probably Mora. It's like essentially two tens. <laughs> but yeah. Did, did you so afterwards? Uh, Pep Guardiola accused Conte of setting up to counter. Um, and on his Instagram, <laughs> Conte put all three of Tottenham's goals up and put the caption, counter-attacks, maybe not. Uh, you do really love the this day and age with social media, don't you? Even when the, when the managers have got it. And then they, you know, like Jose Mourinho's social media account. If you haven't seen it, check it out. You're in for a laugh. It's just a series of, you know, your dad pictures. But like then the, the captions, you just the <laughs> captions, enough said. The one where he sat on the aeroplane eating is the, it's oh, the yeah. best picture I think I've ever seen. And Conte's, I've not had like a proper look at it, but I can imagine it's something similar because he can't be that angry all of the time. No, but I think it's funny as hell that Guardiola then also has egg on his face. Well, so... You've had this firsthand. You know, you've, you've been managed by Pep Guardiola. Does, yeah. there, does there come a time? I'm not saying it's happening now because God knows I'll win the Premier League again. You know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's the best manager in the league by, by a good mile. But is there yeah. a time where the almost cult of Pep sort of wears off and managers stop being afraid of him i don't know if it's the cult of pep or the cult of man city in that sense because man city obviously are going to have that fear factor but some people now also seeing you know that a team like tottenham who are struggling in that sense um still have the stuff to beat the great man city then i think that is pretty it's it's an indicator that you know they're not completely invincible that they do have their kryptonite and that's something that happened in uh the bundesliga as well with bayern um and that's something that's also you know it's it happens to all top teams so i wouldn't say it's only the cult of pep guardiola but put it this way when someone draws blood from a giant all the other teams and all the other uh, fighters, if you will, are going to notice that that giant is not invincible anymore. And I think that's just what's happened. So it'll be interesting to see, because they've got Everton uh, on Saturday. And Everton are... Well, I'm, I mean, they beat Leeds. And everyone was like, oh, Frank Lampard's got us back. Then they go to St. Mary's and lose 2-0 to Southampton. And not really put up much of a fight so that could be any that could be anything from one all to six nil to man city it, i was I about to say just, that i think that, that is going to have it's the same with spurs as well though you know they lost two nil to wolves and were you know defended like a sunday pub team they defend for their lives against man city and win and they'll you know they'll probably revert back to the same thing and lose against leeds on saturday afternoon well, I mean, it's the it's it's just like the uh, curse in the Bundesliga is that no team that is beaten Bayern this season have gone on to win the following match. It'd be interesting to see that any team who has beaten City this season, if they have gone on to win the following match as well. It's almost like a curse of beating the Giants, so to speak. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it's a it's a weird one. I'm not. Not 100% on that, but again, let us know on social media what you think about Tottenham's win over City. Will it be like, you know, a springboard for them to go on and get Champions League football? Or does it show the rest of the league how to beat Man City? You know, they, they don't have a recognised striker. If they did have someone like Harry Kane, maybe they would have won that game quite comfortably. But let's well, leave. I mean, if we're being honest, like they could have spent a hundred mil on 
Harry Kane instead of Jack Grealish. And if we're if if we're going to look at this objectively, Jack Grealish, they don't need him. As bad as it sounds, they really don't. No, no, I, I said this when they signed him. He's a luxury player. Yeah, but 100 million for a luxury player. Are you kidding? Yeah, but Man City are in a position to have a 100 million pound luxury player. I'd say no, I'd argue that no team is in the position to have a hundred million pound luxury player, maybe a 50 million pound luxury player, but any team who has a hundred million pounds, just sitting around sometimes on the bench, not starting week in week out. Wow. Hold Before on. we move on to Arsenal, all I'm going to say is Jack Grealish makes Jaden Sancho look cheap. Anyway, let's move from one team in North London to another. Well, I'm going to have to butt in, even though that segue was beautiful, because we have to touch on the fact that uh, post-Tottenham loss, Phil Foden thought, "Mm, how can I best get that off my mind? I'm going to go to a boxing match. Little did he know that he would, or better said, his family would start a boxing match of their own. I don't know if you've seen the story, but... His, his mom got into a full-on fist fight with some cat callers who were there at the boxing match. It's unreal. It's ridiculous, but there's no excuse for hitting someone's mom. So, well, no, no, there's, okay, there's regardless no of... Them. And, the, and, the, and the thing is as well, like, it wasn't someone's... Uh, it wasn't the fact that you know, he even started it. Like these guys were harassing him and his family the whole time. So, I mean, the fact that his mom started swinging, you can't like, yeah, okay, maybe she shouldn't have gotten physical that quickly, but you can't really blame her because they were just basically cat calling and like they were saying unbelievable things to Phil Foden just because he was there. It's the only reason. I think, unfortunately, it comes with the fame. It shouldn't, yeah. but unfortunately, it does. So you're just a target to any pissed-up dickhead. More or less, yeah. Yeah, so you wouldn't think that uh, that Arsenal would have any problems, would you? Arsenal? He says with a massive grin on his face. Arsenal? Problems? I won't hear it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Imagine your captain refusing the armband, though. Well, I mean, yeah, Granit Xhaka is not much of a captain to begin with, but, you know, he's refusing the armband. I, I'm convinced this season at Arsenal is, is uh, staged because of the... <laughs> it's staged! <laughs> because, of, because of the Amazon cameras. I'm convinced... Oh, I can't the- wait. I can't wait for that. Imagine that episode when Granite Shacker refuses the freaking armband. Oh my God, it's going to be comical. So uh, Lacazette came off and Eddie Nketiah went to take the armband to Granite Xhaka, who famously has had it stripped off of him before. You know, they don't have a... I'd argue they don't have a recognized captain since Aubameyang left, but he wasn't the greatest... The, the greatest? He wasn't the greatest captain anyway. Uh, he wasn't much of a captain you know in in his post-match Arteta sort of brushed it away quite comfortably oh Granite refused it because Kieran Tierney's next in line I I mean what played to him for pulling that one right out of his ass but still you know it wouldn't surprise me if Kieran Tierney was made the next captain of Arsenal he was captain of Celtic at one point Uh, he's, he's come out and said Odegaard could potentially be captain one day Jesus Christ, you would think, oh, ouch, that club is in such disarray. You don't even have a clear captain, a captain on the pitch. Like, oh, give it to one of your center backs or one of your or your goalkeeper, at least. But because at this point, Aaron Ramsdale has everything to become a captain (laughs) because the bar is not high at Arsenal. No, but he's also really vocal and. That's another one that I'll, ha- I'll hold my hands up. You know, I I was very critical of them signing Aaron Ramsdale. You know, why, you know, why would you sign a relegated? And now he's gone and benched Leno. Yeah. 
So, I mean, okay, we'll look at that Arsenal lineup quickly. Aaron Ramsdale, potentially. <laughs> Cedric, no. Gabriel, probably not. Ben White and Kieran Tierney, maybe. Maybe. Thomas Partey, no. Granit no. Xhaka, no. Saka, Smith Rowe, and Erdegaard. No, they're too they're too young and they're too nah. I wouldn't peg them. And Lacazette. So Lacazette sure. was the captain until he came off for Eddie and Ketia. I mean, even the bench doesn't. And Ketia, Hutchinson, Albert right, Sambi. Go on, put on put Rob Holding on. Wait, he's got put a new Rob Holding is captain. Oh geez. He's got he's got a fresh head of hair, he's a new man. Exactly. But so you play football. Yeah. What how would you react if you know the on-field captain came off and the player who was given the armband from the from the sub refused it? Well, one, that makes you ineligible to ever be captain again. And two, you would take a look at him and be like, Are you dumb? Take the freaking armband. This is this is kind of your deal here. This is, you know, or get, I mean, that, or at least tell someone then in advance, like, no, I don't want to be captain anymore. I don't feel like I would be a good captain, but do that before the match. Don't do it mid-match. Mid-match is so dumb. It brings everyone out of the, uh, out of the flow of the match. Everyone's not going to be talking about, oh, he refused the captain's armband. It's so stupid. Because you're right. That's what it's been. It's not been, oh, Arsenal have uh, beaten Brentford 2 1. It was, oh, yeah, uh, there was an Arsenal game at the weekend and uh, Granite Xhaka refused the armband. Yeah, that's all anyone's going to talk about. So dumb. Can we also appreciate the fact that Nicolas Pepe costs them 80 million and he's on their bench as well? Jesus Christ. Yeah, but he's, he is god awful. Like Smith Rowe and Saka are putting. They're putting them to shame and they cost nothing. Well, I remember when I was a little bit ticked off at the fact that Bayern didn't sign Nicolas Pepe about two or three years ago when, when Arsenal did. And now I'm just inwardly so thankful that they did. I was going to say, don't, uh, don't be too disappointed you didn't get Nicolas Pepe. 72 mil, man. That's the best part. Leroy Sané cost half that and he's double the player. So, Arsenal, they currently sit, they're currently sixth in the table, but they've got three games in hand on United and West Ham. Uh, they're level on points with West Ham anyway. Yeah. But top four with a question mark? Oh, Arsenal managing Champions League football again for the first time in God knows how long. Imagine the scenes. Imagine the scenes. I mean, yeah, they've got a couple of games in hand, so that the like the, it's it's all to play for, really. And if we're being honest, both of us would not have had Arsenal making European football if if we're being honest ahead of the season. And now they're on sixth with three games in hand over the top four place teams. Mm, it's uh, it's weird, but they, uh, you know, I think two of their games in hand are Chelsea and Liverpool. Yeah, okay, that that kind of makes it then three extra points that they could be getting. So if, I'm, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent on the third one, but you know they they couldn't play Chelsea last weekend because of the Club World Cup. Yeah, and they couldn't play Liverpool. I think it was just postponed because they didn't have enough players fit back when everyone was cancelling games left, right and centre because, you know, the star striker wasn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but even, even that, if they were only to win one of the three games they have in hand, they would be one point behind United. So top four question mark, I think we can definitely pose that question. Yeah, but, you know, they have to keep playing well and winning. That's not that's not always a guarantee. 
Yeah, definitely. But you have to you have to say that, you know, we're about two thirds of the way through the season and Arsenal are in within striking distance of top four, which, like I said, I would never, ever have bet on them to do that. I would have bet on them to be around 10th place at the minute. That's very bold. I think we should leave the Premier League there and uh, take a trip to Germany because oh, there's lots of goals this weekend. Harlan's volley oh. is beautiful oh. beyond compare. Come on, when's the last time on a Sunday you had 16 goals in three matches by, 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 by half the teams, no less? In total, you had 18 goals. I don't think it's necessarily the amount of goals. I think it it was who was who was doing it. Because I think obviously Bayern won, even though they went 1-0 down to a massively deflected free kick. Oh my god. It just that that was literally just that was Massa's I would say in a nutshell. Like he's trying so hard and he's got all the right intentions and yet it still does not go well whatsoever. Well, it, it reminded me of something Samir Nasri did back in 2012, in the 2012-13 season. Yeah. Uh, Van Persie took a free kick and he sort of almost cowered behind the wall, stuck his leg out, it deflected off him and went in. Jesus Christ. And that was almost the same thing. He sort of sticks his leg out and leans back into the into the wall. Well, basically, I think you know Zabita. He's he stays in the wall, you know, as you would expect someone to. But then he sees that the ball is coming relatively close by, and so he thinks, you know, oh, I might still be able to deflect this or to to block it. So he sticks his knee out. But you know, Zandro Wagner said it on the zone commentating. You know, I think. If you talked or if you asked a goalkeeper, when in doubt, just stick to being the wall and let me do the rest. Because obviously in situations like that, the goalkeeper is powerless. You know, Sven Ulreis didn't have much to do, but just watch as that thing just bent in top corner. Uh, we had, what, four minutes of uh, slight worry from any Bayern fan. And then Lewandowski scored and normality was restored. And well, that was a be- that was the funniest part. It was Zandro Wagner was like, yeah, you know, in all honesty, they should watch out because I've been on a team who was newly promoted and went up one nil at the Allianz Arena, and I can tell you exactly what happened there. And then he also added as an anecdote, by the way, if you guys want to research who scored that goal, have fun. <laughs> was it him by any chance? Of course it was him. <laughs> Zandro Wagner has, like, Zandro Wagner is a, is a uh, Ibrahimovic 2.0 from the fact that, like, okay, ability-wise, definitely not on the level of Ibrahimovic, but arrogance-wise, you could probably give Ibrahimovic a run for his money at some times. But now he just makes for one of the, one of the better commentators, and I think, you know, I love, you know, hearing his take on things. But, you know, during his playing time, Oh, you love to see it. So you love to see him score a goal. Uh, last thing on on the Bayern third game, I think what Lewandowski now what on course to, to beat his own record, to beat his own yeah. record. Twenty eight goals in the league now, and I, I'm terribly sorry if he beats it and doesn't win the Ballon d'Or again. I I wash my hands of that award. We already should be washing our hands of the ward anyway because he beat a record that stood for 50 years and still didn't win the award. We like I've already given up any hope that he will ever win that or that that award will ever go to the deserving candidate because in all honesty, it's more of a popularity contest than anything else. And as much as you would expect Lewandowski to say, oh, yeah, you know, I think the FIFA best awards are fairer and make more sense because obviously he won that. Yeah, I get that, that thought process. But if we're being honest, the FIFA best awards take into account 
the voting of actual experts such as active players, active managers, and act, uh, active journalists rather than the fans. Because the, the, the Ballon d'Or is taken into account mostly from journalists and fans. And some journalists, you know, Argentinian journalists, have never watched Lewandowski play a minute of football and are just like, oh, messy, 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 messy. So I, that's why that, that award is just, that award is literally a, a hunk of a hunk of metal that doesn't really mean much because it's a popularity contest. But, you know, we've been through this, so. I, uh, I respect what you're saying and I respect, you know, the passion that you have behind that. But uh, we've, we've had this conversation already. I don't want to flog oh, it down. Oh, no, one, that's why. We're, we're putting this to bed now. Let's talk. Dortmund Gladbach because Jesus even, even for Gladbach that's that's a new low special it's a new low Marco I mean Royce first of all we have to say Dortmund sorry Marco Royce rolling back the years you said it on our on our Instagram channel already Royce what a guy you know he's assisting Marlon, he's assisting Wolf. He's scoring the one nil himself. He's assisting Mukoko. He was involved directly in five of Dortmund's six goals. I'm sorry. The fact he didn't get to take that penalty to get a hat trick is an absolute crime. And Marco Rose should be lined up against the wall and shot. But <laughs> that's just because I don't like Emre Chan. Yeah, but that's also because they Dortmund don't have a fixed penalty taker of Highlands. It's not on the pitch. Marco was already said in an interview, you know, I could have put any one of Mukoku, Royce, or Chan up for that for that penalty. He said it was a spur of the moment decision. I mean, I'm still with you on that, but you know. And can we also say that you know we criticized Dortmund for being just Haaland and nothing else? They just went and bagged six, and Haaland was nowhere near the pitch. No, fair play to him. They actually played really, really well. I think. The for, the formation probably suits them as well. Yeah, yeah. Especially a because three, four, three. Oh, I felt really bad for Gio Reyna though. Just come back after injury and had to go off. That was luckily, you're, you're stealing. Not... Yeah, I was about to say you're stealing. You're stealing my next point, which is the fact that there is. It wasn't all sunshine and roses for Dortmund because not only did Gio Reyna go off injured, but Dan Axel Zagadou also went injured and went off injured. And you know if. You esteemed listeners are remembering, we said that Dan Axel Zagadou was one of those players who had more injuries at age 22 than most professional players have in their whole careers. So that can't be good news. Oh my God, I've just had a look and see where they are. They're 13th, Gladbach. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, they're, they're four points off relegation playoffs. I think... that. <laughs> I would say the team's below them. I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's. It's not looking good for them. It really isn't. They're in the middle of a relegation battle at this point. You just that. That is just. That is just where we're at at this point. You know. You can't deny it. Yeah, but what? What is it? What? How? That is a question I think most experts are trying to figure out at this point. Because not- if we're being honest, that team definitely does not or should not be 13th. But yeah, you're not wrong. You know, the teams below them, Bielefeld, Berlin, Hertha Berlin, uh, Augsburg, Stuttgart, and Greuther Fürth. I think they're safe from Greuther Fürth. I think we can, we can say, say that, that but- definite. Well, you say that, but Grotefurt have definitely had a turnaround since the winter break. Because before winter break, I would have been like, yeah, I'm totally with you on that. But since winter break, they've played really well considering what they've got. And, you know, they even annoyed Bayern for 45 minutes, if we're being honest. So I'd say, you know, at Furt, they could still make that relegation playoff spot. Yeah, if they not, keep not, not a 13 point turnaround for Glad. Oh. <laughs> Again, the way Gladbach are playing. Okay, well, they want, like I said, I don't, Gladbach would have to drop more points and Foot would have to, would have to close the gap. So, yeah, def- there are definitely some if, buts, and maybes, but uh, yeah, 
I'd say that Grotafurt are not completely, you can't completely count them out yet because they definitely have had a turnaround in playing style. I just don't know what's going on. I mean, what do you, do you sack him? I mean, every time they lose, I call for it. Yeah, but the problem is you never get in. There's there's no alternative. Every time they lose, you get a hooter out now, surely. Yeah, but but who are you going to get in? That's the problem. Um, there are no real alternatives. I'm sure Felix Magat could come out. Oh Jesus Christ! I don't think he would do them much good in all honesty. Um, but that's the thing, right? You don't, you wouldn't think that that team should be that bad, you know. If we're looking at, you know, Elvidi, Ginter, uh, Neuhaus, Leiner, Player, Hofmann, Embolo, Sommer, they're not a bad team. They're not fielding a shit team. Could they potentially get Lucien Favre back? That would be a comeback there. I don't know how much. I mean, to be fair, the last time we, we've said it again and again, Lucien Favre is the manager you get when you need to get a top team back into European places and away from the relegation places. He just can't win you a title. So, I mean, that'd be a shout, actually. Imagine, imagine Billy predicts this again. Oh, the scenes. I mean, the, the others are feasible. I don't even know if that's feasible, to be fair. Like Rafa Benitez, Frank De Boer, Ronald Koeman, Nuno, Joachim Love. Oh, God. No, 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 no. I think Love would even make it worse. <laughs> the man who's been the national that, team coach the problem, right? for so he's, long. He is easily the best manager that that Germany probably have ever had, but he just stayed so long that, you know, as the saying goes, you stay long enough to see yourself become the villain. That's just exactly what's happened. He should have just, he should have just left right after the world cup win, or at least after the European, uh, the Euros 2016. I mean, how do you get that Germany job after being the manager of Austria, Vienna, Fenerbahce for a year, Stuttgart, or was he just he was he was just the assistant when the previous manager? Well, he was the assistant for for Jürgen Klinsmann, and then back then the saying was that you know everyone was like, oh Jürgen Klinsmann, he's gotten Germany back to you know their former greatness because if you looked at the Euros two thousand four and the um you know they Germany were shit for lack of a better word, um and. You know, everyone's like, oh, Jürgen Klinsmann did so well. Also, you know, dealing with the pressure of having the, of being the host nation and everything. And then everyone's like, you know, in, in hindsight, everyone's like, well, if we're being honest, Klinsmann was the one who motivated the players. But if we're talking about the tactics and stuff, that was all Löw. And then come Euro 2008, Löw man- has got the manager job. So, you know, his route there wasn't that unorthodox, if you will. Well, I think we need to leave uh, Gladbach because it's going to make me depressed. Uh, oh, yeah. What, they, they just need to put this. It sounds easy, but they just need to put this horrendous season behind them. I was about to say, just make sure that you don't get relegated this season and then, you know, start afresh. Uh, so let's talk another equally disappointing side. Hmm. <laughs> We bash them almost like every other week. But if they, you know, if they're going to play like they did against Leipzig, they deserve it. Yeah, I'm sorry. A 6-1 defeat at home. I'm reluctant to slag them off anymore. I want to focus on Leipzig more, more specifically in Kunku. You know, he's got more goals already this season than he had for both of the last two seasons put together. It's a crime he hasn't been nominated for France, by the way. He's got no caps for France. And it's not That's like... That's insane. It's not like they don't have a need for a creative number 10. 
I mean, France have a super team. That's, you know, beside the point. This is France's, France's golden generation. But still, I think Nkuku has definitely shown he is deserving of a spot in that generation. At least now. I mean, I'm not saying he should have been there for the World Cup 2018 by any chance. Like, no, that's definitely not what I'm saying. But his performances in the last two seasons should have earned him a call-up by now. Yeah, I I don't know what's going through Deschamps' head, to be fair. It's insane. But, you know, Tedesco's got them playing really well. Like really hey, we're well. talking about a manager who arguably is the second best manager to ever have gone through the coaching school in Germany. Well, yeah, we said this a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? You he know, was actually top of his class. To, yeah, better enough. grades than Julian Nagelsmann. Yeah. And well, put it this way, the only reason he probably didn't succeed at Schalke was because he was handed a poison chalice to begin with. And a team that wasn't very good. Like the fact that he managed to get the Schalke team in twenty at the end of the 2017-18 season to second place is insane. Yeah, it's one of those, like a butterfly moment. If he'd been handed the, the, the team that Nagelsmann had. Yeah. Could he be buying manager at the moment? Oh, um, I think if, if we're being honest and he would have been put in for Nagelsmann, there is a very good chance that he it would have been Tedesco on the Bayern bench this season and not Nagelsmann. But, you know, as fate would have it. Well, I mean, we'll give it a few years. Nagelsmann will leave and, and you'll get Tedesco anyway. So it will happen eventually. <laughs> Nagelsmann, I, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure. I think, you know, I think the Bayern bosses are really hoping that Nagelsmann has an era like uh, Sir Alex Ferguson at this point. They handed him a five-year contract, you know. That's bold for, for a manager anyway. For a manager. Yeah. When was the last time you heard a manager getting a five-year contract? I don't know. David Moyes had a seven-year one. Yeah, okay, but we we don't talk about this time, I thought. I thought oh, I thought we this 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 era of Manchester United was uh was just, you know, blurred and not really worth mentioning. Well, it's not it's a haze of comfort food and blinded by my own tears. So <laughs> <laughs> There you go. But it was But let's get back to uh let's get back to Leipzig because It was it was almost a complete performance. I think the only yeah. one that didn't score that maybe you would have liked to was Dominic Sobotsloy. He's just your fan favorite, isn't he? I love him. But <laughs> the formations changed as well since Tedesco came over. So they've they've ditched the oh, what was it? It was like a four-one. It was almost like a four-one four-one under Jesse Marsh. And they've now gone with essentially three five two. Yeah, three five two. And they're not missing Angelino. That's insane. I didn't think, yeah, I was about to say, I didn't think that that was someone that that Leipzig could, you know, replace or compensate in that lineup. You know, the fact they managed, they they won 6-1 and Andre Silva was on the bench. Yeah, that says it all, really. But take a look, take a look at Leipzig's bench as well. You know, Klostermann, Tyler Adams, Kevin Kampel, Konrad Leimer, Danny Olmo, and Andre Silva all on the bench. And they didn't feel the crap team. That score depth that you could only dream of at Bayern. Uh, yeah, actually, though. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's the thing. Like, I think it's so... It, I mean, you have to give Leipzig the credit that they probably had the hardest Champions League group to get out of. So the fact that they're in the Europa League is you know, not all that surprising when you have Manchester City and PSG to play. But they gave PSG a run for their money. Well, they drew uh, two all with them. Exactly. I and the only reason they didn't win is because they had that PSG had that one moment of messy magic that they have gotten so far out of him the whole season. 
Yeah, I'm, oh, they're now fourth, which when they took when Tedesco took over was almost unthinkable. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, unthinkable pretty much sums it up. As for Hertha, Jesus, one point above the relegation playoff places, four points above automatic relegation. I'm just going to see. And they've spent so much money. I mean, we say it every week, but they've spent so much money. When do they play Augsburg? April the 16th, they play Augsburg. April the 23rd, they play Stuttgart. Those are the two teams below them. So by the end of April, they could potentially be in the relegation places. I, I don't uh, wish to be a Hertha Berlin fan at this point. You know, they've, they've got Freiburg. You probably back Freiburg. Oh, 100% you back Freiburg. Frankfurt. Yeah, I'd back, I'd back every team other than the ones that are below them because that's uh, how bad I mean, even are. Gladbach, I'd be a bit wary, to be honest, because they can just explode. I was about to say, that is one of those teams where you're just like, mm, maybe he just kind of... Wah, wah, wah. Hoffenheim, Leverkusen, and then April. <laughs> April, they've got Union, Augsburg, Her- uh, Stuttgart, and Armenia Bielefeld, which Ouch. are the team... You know, uh, Union Berlin are ninth. Uh, Augsburg is 16th. Stuttgart are 17th. And Bielefeld are the team directly above them. Jesus Christ. If we if we take out the Union game, which is a massive game for them anyway. Yeah. Their April is probably going to be the most panic attack inducing month ever <laughs> for for Hertha fans. And they deserve it. Cuz I can't wait for Corkett to get the sack before the end of the season. The worst thing is that Corkwood is not even that bad of a manager. It's just the fact that he's been handed the most toxic environment and a crap team. Yeah, it's not. He's just not the manager to get Berlin out of that. He was just the best thing that Berlin could get. Exactly. Well, I think that's probably a uh, suitable place to leave this week. Definitely. And as always, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to 80 Sports News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, as well as listen to our old episodes and listen for every weekly new episode on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. We're always bringing you the breaking news, best, and most up-to-date content. But thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.